If you are interested in simplifying your life and your business, have you thought about automating things? Welcome to Outside the Box with Elsa. Your host is Elsa Palmer-Oden. There are many tools that you can use in business and personal automation, including virtual assistants. It's time to take back your time and management. Now, here's your host, Elsa Palmer-Oden. Well, hello and welcome to Outside the Box. I'm your host, Elsa Palmer-Oden. I've got a great show planned for you tonight, but first I'd like to give a shout out for a very happy birthday to Robert Plant, Demi Lovato, Rudy Gatlin, and a very happy heavenly birthday to Dimebag Daryl from one of my favorite bands, Pantera. Um, Today in history, in 1913, was the first time a pilot parachuted from an aircraft. And in 1929, the first airship flight around Earth flying eastward was completed. So coincidentally, today is National Aviation Day. And that's what our theme of the show is going to be. I'd like to now introduce a very special guest I have with us tonight, um, Cal. And Cal is an extremely talented radio control airplane pilot and drone pilot and only 17 years old, but the accomplishments he has made. So thank you for joining us tonight, Cal. How are you, Elsa? Doing great. I'm so glad to have you here. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here. Um, So how long have you actually been flying the remote control airplanes? So flying the remote control airplanes, I've been flying for about 12 years now. So I started when I was around five years old. But um, I've been around it my whole life. I mean, my dad has done it since he's been in high school. So I mean, I grew up around it. Ever since I was a toddler, I would go to big competitions with him. And I mean, it's just been a part of my life for the um, since I was born, you know. So, um, but I've only been flying for twelve years. Only twelve years. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. And how long have you been doing the drones now? So I recently got into drone racing um, the past two years because um, I, I just wanted a new challenge. You know, I uh, made a lot of accomplishments in the airplane sides, and I. Uh, believe drones are like the future. So the past two years, I've decided to get into drone racing. Awesome. And what kind of difference do you see between the airplanes and the drones when flying? Um, I mean, they're completely different. So the drone is like you're in the cockpit. So you're uh, watching through these goggles and there's a little camera on the drone. So there's a a kind of a complete different objective when flying the drone. And uh, with the airplane, you're flying it, I mean, in the sky, you're on the ground and the plane is in the sky. You're not inside of it. So, I mean, they're completely different, but both really cool in different ways. Awesome. Myself, I have flown the RC airplanes before. Um, So I know that perspective. I don't know the drone perspective. So that's pretty cool. Um, So it's kind of like a virtual reality. In a way, yes. Um, Yeah, some people describe as virtual reality a lot of people see it as like you're in a fighter jet and uh people that don't get the opportunity to go in a fighter jet get into drone racing and i mean it just gives you a thrill without being like super dangerous sometimes too you know that'd be awesome so did a certain person or experience just you growing up at the flying field what actually got you into it um definitely my dad um i mean like i said i've grown I've grown up with aviation and radio control airplanes. 
and just seeing him having a good time doing it and being at the competition, seeing everybody loving it. I was like, I need to get into this. And uh, I mean, ever since I was four years old, I've just loved it ever since. So you're making basically a career out of it. In a way, yes. Um, I mean, I've won some money doing some competitions, but um, the the big career would be uh, in the drone side uh, where you can do like filming gigs and stuff like that. I'm sure we'll get into that later in the show. But um, I'm not sure if 100% I want to make it a career yet, but it definitely is an option on the table. And that's just too cool to be able to do something you really enjoy and make a career out of it. Oh, 100%. Uh, some of my best friends in drone racing have made a very successful career, and I'm sure we'll get into greater details later into the show. But uh, like a lot of music videos and movies they've shot. So we'll, we'll dive uh, deeper into that later on. But it definitely can be a career, and it's, it's something I'd love to do. So we'll see what happens, you know? Awesome. So what do you think sets you outside the box? From other people your or other kids your age. Yeah. Um, so obviously, not many people do the radio control airplanes and the drone racing. But um, right. I'd say what sets me from outside of the box from everyone else is uh, I've kind of done it all in the radio control airplanes. So I've done like precision aerobatics, uh, freestyle aerobatics. Um, I've done RC jets, which that's a very cool thing we can talk about. Um, and I mean, I've also done the, done the drone racing and then the, gotten to the filming side of drones. So I'd say what sets me outside of the box is I've kind of dipped my toes into everything. Anything scare you? Uh, <laughs> anything scare me? As far as when doing this? Oh, I, um, yeah, I definitely get like nervous at competitions. Um, fun fact, I've actually tracked my heart rate at a competition before. And I peaked at 175 beats per minute. So it definitely is nerve wracking. Wow. But I mean, it is scary. I mean, I'm flying a $15,000 airplane in the sky. It's just not uh, super calm, if you know what I'm saying. Right. Because if something goes wrong, there's a lot of money involved. Exactly. And uh, a lot of the times, it's not even user error. Uh, some, sometimes equipment will fail. So, I mean, there's just a lot of factors that can really mess you up and you don't want to make mistakes. So it definitely is scary. So what are your goals for your future? Um, well, I mean, I, I kind of just want to be the best as ever been. Um, I kind of want to be known as the goat in uh, drone racing. So, uh, I mean, my goal is obviously to like win the world championship in drone racing. And, um, I'd love to become a part of this league called uh, drone racing league which is actually uh, streamed on NBC Sports. And uh, actually, one of my best friends, Evan Turner, is on that show. And um, he's actually the one who got me into drone racing. But I'd say my definitely one of my goals is to become a part of that uh, drone racing league. And I'd, I'd say I'm very close. So we'll see what happens. Well, I wish you luck on that. That sounds cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Very cool. Well, um, and I also want to just let the listeners know if you have questions while we're doing this tonight, you can always email them to Elsa at ElsaOutsideTheBox.com and we'll present those questions as well as we're going through here. Um, so 
Now, tell me a little bit. You mentioned um, earlier that you were looking towards getting your pilot's license and you're taking aerospace classes. Talk a little bit about that. I, I have, yeah. So one of my main goals or like my career is I'd love to become a pilot. Um, so recently I've actually started flight training. Um, don't have many hours. I'm about 10 hours deep, but um, definitely one of my big goals is to become a pilot. Um, still working on getting my private pilot's license. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, you asked what I want to do for a career, definitely become a pilot. Um, but definitely a backup plan would be going into like the filming industry and drones. That would definitely be a good second option. But um, about my aerospace class, that is a very cool thing that we have at our local high school. So every Monday and Wednesday, we go out to our local airport and uh, we have a big hangar. And uh, for half the day, we're actually building an airplane uh, called a AirCam. And the second half of the day, we're in the classroom learning about just general aviation, aerospace, all that kind of stuff. So um, the AirCam we're actually building was uh, for a, an astronaut named uh, Story Musgrave. And he had the most hours in uh, space, like out of anyone. So that was pretty cool. We got to meet and talk with him and learned a lot of good stuff from him. Wow. And the aerospace class, that's just a regular class in your high school? It is. Yeah. So originally it was just a classroom thing. So we were just in the classroom at our school, uh, just learning about general aviation, aerospace. But eventually the program got approved to go out to the hangar. And so we're not actually on school, about 20 minutes away from school. But it got approved to go to the hangar so uh, we can actually like work on the airplane, like have hands on activities um, and stuff like that. Wow. Does the class give you credit towards ground school? Um, unfortunately, it does not. But it does count as a science credit and a arts credit. OK, so part of your graduation credits. Yeah, but a lot of the stuff that we learned is ground school stuff so it might so when you take ground school you already know it uh yeah so the ground school that i've already done i've probably learned 75 percent of that already in my aerospace class real cool yeah now does the aerospace class go into like um nasa type stuff as well or just more on the airplanes um i definitely say it's more on the airplanes but we have learned about some space shuttles and uh some planets and stuff like that. But I'd say 90% of it is airplane-based. What about helicopters? Uh, we do learn about helicopters. Yeah, we definitely do learn about helicopters. Because that's a cool industry as well, or cool side of aviation. Helicopters? Yeah, yes. they, they scare me. I'm not going to lie. Helicopters <laughs> do scare me a little bit. Have you ever been in one? I've been in one one time. I mean, I felt pretty safe, but I'd much rather be in an airplane. <laughs> I actually used to plan maintenance on helicopters. It was a lot of fun. Really? That yes. had to be an interesting job. It was. It was. And being around all the helicopters all day long, it, it was great. It yeah. really was. Yeah. Um, and I've been up, what, twice in a helicopter. Really? That didn't bother me too much. Yeah. Well, the first time did because I was young, but the second time I was okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
what would you recommend to our listeners that might be interested in even just as a hobby doing any of this? What would you suggest to them? I mean, yeah, it it definitely takes a lot of time and dedication to my I mean, get anywhere in life. But um to be successful at something, it's not just gonna come to you because I mean if it was easy, everybody would do it. But um that's true. I mean, I have probably over 3000 hours of stick time in real life and on the simulator. And I mean, I think that's like 200 days in total. So, I mean, but I mean, over the span of 13 years, it uh, slowly adds up, but I mean, it has not been easy. I have busted my butt to get to the point where I'm at and uh, I still have a lot of work to do. So, I mean, yeah, if you're looking to get into it, it definitely is a very, very fun hobby. Uh, airplanes and drone racing and I would 100% recommend it to you um, but I mean it, it definitely will not be easy and it, t- it takes a lot of time and money so it can be costly oh, what yeah. would you say would be the easiest for somebody to get into drones or the airplanes um I don't know because some people find uh, airplanes super easy and some people find drone racing really easy but and vice versa but um I think that uh, drone racing is easier, in my opinion, um, because, it, first of all, it's a lot cheaper. Um, but second of all, I mean, there's a simulator where you can just fly it on your computer. And I mean, you crash and then you can just reset. But um, I definitely think drone racing is more easier in my eyes. But I've, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people and they say airplanes are a lot easier. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I would definitely say drone racing is easier, though. Okay. Um, well, I got an interesting question for you then. Okay. What if you have like poor eyesight? Yeah. Okay. So how would that play into it? So if you had poor eyesight, drone racing would definitely be easier because, uh, you're wearing the goggles and uh, I mean, it's right in front of you, but the airplanes, I've known people that get too far away and can no longer see the airplane so then they lose sight of the airplane and i mean they're pretty much going to crash but um one of the best drone races in the world actually has terrible eyesight um he's actually on my team usa which i'm sure we'll talk about soon but i mean he has god-awful eyesight and i he's still really really good but i mean he wears contacts but i mean just having that uh the goggles on like kind of like the virtual reality, just right in front of your eyes, definitely is easier on the eyes. Interesting. Interesting. Yep. Um, so I know in your bio that you had sent over, you had mentioned some of your accomplishments. Um, what are your biggest accomplishments you think that you have done with the planes and then with the drone racing? Yeah, we can get into that. Um, I would say definitely one of my biggest accomplishments is winning the junior world championship over in Italy back in 2019. Um, That was on the airplane size. That was a precision aerobatics uh, competition. I think there was over 50 different countries there and like 200 pilots. And um, USA ended up taking home the gold, which was really nice. And then I ended up winning the junior world championship over there. Go USA. Yeah. Team USA. Right. So I'd say, yeah, d- 
definitely that is my biggest accomplishment in airplanes. Um, another really big one I have in airplanes is um, we traveled over to Australia and I um, ended up winning the Asia, Asia Pacific Championship over there for the freestyle portion. So uh, that felt really good to win. That was definitely a big accomplishment for me there. But um, I think in the drone racing side, um, becoming part of Team USA in the Drone Champions League was a big one. Um, I've won a lot of uh, simulator races. Um, and those are pretty hard to win. But I'd say I definitely have a lot more accomplishments in airplanes. I mean, obviously, I've been doing it a lot longer. But in the drone racing side, I wouldn't say I've accomplished like any of the big, big stuff yet. But that's the goal here in the next couple of months is to get some stuff on my resume, you know? Right. Now, you said you also have some sponsors. I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. So my sponsors will provide all the gear for me. Um, sometimes help pay for travel too. But uh, I mean, for airplanes, I had a sponsor for the propeller, the motor, the airframe, like all the electronics inside, like the oil for the fuel. I mean, airplanes are definitely a lot more expensive than drone racing. Right. And without the sponsors, I definitely would not have been able to compete at the level that I was at. So I appreciate all my sponsors for that. You want to give them a holler out? Uh, yeah. Uh, Go definitely ahead. like Futaba, Extreme Flight, Desert Aircraft, Falcon Propellers. Um, you guys were definitely a big help in my accomplishments, and I greatly appreciate that. Um, I'd say on the drone side, I mean, it's the same concept. They... Uh, Help me pay for the equipment, give me free parts, which definitely helps because the drones uh, break a lot easier than the airplanes do. Um, so, I mean, every crash with a drone, I might break a motor in a frame and then I have to replace that. So um, some shout outs I'd like to give um, on the drone racing side for my sponsorships is uh, Fly 533, uh, Pulse Batteries, uh, Foxier, and um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I think they'll appreciate that. <laughs> I think they will too. <laughs> um, so where all have you traveled to? You just men- mentioned Australia and Italy. Any other countries? Uh, I mean, yeah. Um, this past summer, I actually went to Costa Rica for a drone race and uh, placed second in that. So that was, that's actually probably a big accomplishment of mine too. Um, but I mean, yeah, Costa Rica. When we went to Italy, we actually stayed there for a month and uh, traveled the whole country nice continent yeah so we went to like seven different countries in europe all the way from belgium to italy to france and um then we went to australia too but unfortunately with covid that stopped a lot of my traveling um but i know there was a possibility of me going to dubai for a competition which i would have loved to go there um and i mean there's just competitions all over the world that have unfortunately been canceled to covid so that, yeah, has stopped a lot of my traveling. Unfortunately, COVID has stopped a lot of things. Yep, unfortunately. Or just kind of put a damper on things. Yeah. It's but we'll get past this. Yeah. COVID will go away eventually. I hope so. Um, okay, so basically, why are drones the future? Why do you consider drones being the future in aviation? Yeah. um, Well, I mean, drones give you an angle and a perspective that no human 
or I believe robot is capable of. I mean, they're so agile, fast, able to carry very big cameras. And I mean, for music videos, for movies, I definitely believe it is the future. Um, I know a lot of the movies nowadays are, I'd say about 40% of their shots are with drones. And um, I mean, they definitely are the future for sure. And uh, I mean, even with dropping off packages, I believe Amazon is uh, soon to be dropping off packages with drones. And I know there's talks of like pizza delivery with drones. And I mean, the possibilities are endless with drones, I believe. I don't know if I want my pizza delivered by a drone. I, I don't know either. Yeah. Do they just like drop it at the doorstep and it I, stick I, to the top of the box? I'm <laughs> assuming so. I, that's yeah. I have no clue. <laughs> Um, what, and, but yeah, one of them, uh, I can't remember which pizza company it was, but one of them has like the self-driving cars that are now delivering pizzas yep. and yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're turning too much AI here. Uh, I agree. I agree. <laughs> um, so what are the, uh, cool things that you've had the opportunity to film with the drones? Yeah. Um, so I've actually filmed like wakeboarders, wake surfers. Those were uh, some really cool things to film. I've actually filmed radio control airplanes with my drone. I've had uh, friends with the radio control airplanes that I've been able to film with. That turned out very cool. What do you fly side by side? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm just fly- he would be doing his normal flight and then I would just fly the drone around him. Um, I mean, I've flown oh, uh, around some yachts. Um, some islands in Costa Rica was very cool. Um, just sunsets have been really cool, like over the lake, uh, some boats. I mean, I filmed endless amounts of stuff, dirt bike riders. Uh, there's been some drift cars. So, I mean, and they definitely give you shots that nothing else would be able to give you. A totally different perspective. Exactly. Exactly. Have um, do you normally post your videos online or anything? I do. Yeah, I uh, always post them to usually my Instagram and my YouTube. Okay. Mm-hmm. So people can yeah, enjoy so those. Yep. What are what are your YouTube and Instagram for people to say it? Um, just my Instagram is uh fiddycal underscore fpv. So that's f i d d y k a l underscore fpv and then uh my youtube is just my name cal underscore reesnyder r-e-i-f-s-n-y-d-e-r okay Mm -hmm. this way people can actually see what it is you've done yeah i know exactly um okay from me flying the RC planes in the past, granted it, it's been a little while, but with, when I've flown them in the past, they, I know, um, the whole concept of it and everything, but you have to keep things within distance for the frequency yeah, or control things as far as other planes on the same frequency mm-hmm. and make sure you watch that. Is it the same type of thing with drones? Um, so nowadays, even with airplanes, it's not the same. So you were flying on 72 megahertz, um, mm-hmm. back then, uh, now there is uh, 2.4 gigahertz. 
so where that everybody in the world can go at the same time and there be no frequency problems. Nice. Yeah. So there's not really a big concern with that, um, like bleeding onto anybody's channels anymore. And I mean, with the range of 2.4 gigahertz, I mean, you can go further than you can see with airplanes and drones. And I can so, get um, you in trouble with the plane. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, but I've flown my drone over three miles away um, through my goggles. And I will lose a video signal um, through my video transmitter to my camera. And then like what I'm actually seeing before I lose uh, RC link, like the signal to the controls. So uh, range nowadays really isn't a problem. Com I mean, compared to how it was back in the day. Right. That's interesting. So yeah. basically, if you start losing video, then you know you're starting to get out of range. Yep, exactly. So you actually have a heads up. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's been people that have flown over 12 miles away. So, I mean, yeah, definitely no problem with range anymore. And I mean, that blows my mind because I know uh, back in the day, like people would fly half a mile away and have very bad problems. Well, yeah. And I mean, I remember frequency issues and stuff like that as well. Um, and yeah, if it crashes, it costs quite a bit of money to repair. Oh, yeah. So funny story. Uh, my dad, back when it was 72 megahertz, um, had a brand new airplane and um, went to go went to go fly it for the first time. And um, I guess he just grabbed the wrong pin to tell what channel he was on. And then took off and then somebody was on his channel and just lost his brand new airplane. Oh. So um, fortunately, nowadays, nobody has to experience that loss. But I mean, I, I know that was rough on him for sure. Yes, I, I recall that as well. I recall that. Um, those types of situations where somebody's just even just testing and don't even realize they're on the same frequency as somebody that's flying. Oh, yep. Yep. Exactly. And things get messed up. Um, how long do the batteries last on those drones? Um, so, I mean, the battery sizes vary. So, I mean, they can last from anywhere to like 45 seconds to a minute in a race if you're running a small battery. But, I mean, if you want to do like a long cinematic filming flight, you can get at least 10 minutes of flight. It kind of just depends how you use the battery. I mean, obviously, if you're full throttle on the battery the whole time, like you're in the car, in a car, you're going to burn through gas faster. The same thing applies with the drones. But I mean, I'd say on average, they last about two and a half minutes. Wow, that doesn't seem like very long. I know. And that's on the drone racing side. And uh, usually the races are only about a minute to a minute and a half. So you don't need... Um, all two and a half minutes of it. But we're usually running like the smallest, lightest batteries to make the drone obviously go faster. But yeah, nowadays, um, yeah, they're only lasting two minutes, three minutes max. How long does it take to recharge it? Um, I mean, it depends how fast you charge it. You can uh, vary the amperage of your charging. But I'd say each battery takes about five, 10 minutes to charge. But I'd say to every competition, I bring 20 different batteries with me. So I, I really don't have to worry about charging. I'll just my change them out. Yep, exactly. Nice, nice. How fast do the drones go? Um, 
I believe the ones that I race go about 120 miles an hour. Wow. I know they, they definitely are rocket speed. I mean, the power to weight ratio is insane on them. They're meant to be very light and not very durable and uh, just go pretty much as fast as humanly possible. But I know I've had um, some friends build a drone that probably went around 160 to 170. Oh, wow. And I mean, the from going to zero to 160 and probably half a second to a second, not even. Dang, that is crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, um, we're going to be breaking here for a quick break and uh, uh, talk to our sponsors. So we'll be back in a few minutes and talk about more drones with Cal. Um, I would like to give a call out to our sponsor, Logical Choice Realty, the logical choice for all your real estate needs, including buying, selling, investing, and property management services. We'll be right back. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Entrepreneurs and business owners need reliable, good assistance without the time-consuming stress that comes with searching for, hiring, and training someone. That's where U.S. Virtual Assistant and REIAssistant.com comes in. Their outstanding U.S.-based virtual assistants are trained, have strong skills, experience, and are reliable. They make it easy to work with a rock star virtual assistant so you can reclaim time to do what you need to do and grow your business. They carefully pair you with an experienced virtual assistant who can take care of pretty much any task that doesn't require their in-person presence. From inbound calls to outbound calls to property management and from marketing to websites, they have your small business needs covered. Hiring a virtual assistant is easier than hiring and training an assistant yourself. Best part? It's also cost-effective, saving you up to 85% compared to hiring your own in-house or virtual assistant. Stop doing everything yourself and get your time back by hiring a VA from usvirtualassistant.com. Visit us or call today, 855-2-GET-A-VA. Looking to buy or sell your piece of Southwest Florida paradise? Make your choice a logical one with Logical Choice Realty Group. Sell it faster for more money and less stress. They'll get your home sold and closed. Go to logicalchoicerealtygroup.com and start packing today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Outside the Box with Elsa. To reach the live show, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to elsa at elsaoutsidethebox.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. This is your host, Elsa, and your guest, Cal uh, Rice-Snyder. And um, Cal, we were talking about drones right before we went to the break. Yep. What are some of the like cool things you know about films that were where drones were used? Yeah. Um, so I actually have a really two really close buddies with mine that I guess you could say have made it in the filming industry with drones. Um, 
So a couple of my friends have done uh, filming shoots with drones for Porsche, like the big car company. So they've filmed huge Porsche commercials where they're like the actual director and the whole shot is just drone shots, um, which I think is very cool. Um, I've had them do Mercedes commercials uh, with drones. Fun fact, I actually saw my friend's Mercedes commercial while I was on an airplane on the little screen in front of me. So that was oh, that's cool. cool. Yeah. And um, just uh, commercials for like Red Bull, Monster, filming dirt bikes, uh, cars, anything like that. So um, like your average uh, Honda commercial where you see like um, a little doing a circle around a car. I mean, that shot with the drone, you know, and uh, it's in our everyday lives more than we realize. Um, but I've also had a bunch of friends do like music video stuff. So I'm sure you're familiar with Justin Bieber, correct? Yes. So well, one of my good friends actually just did or just filmed his music video with the drone. Oh, cool. I am very jealous of. But uh, I mean, <laughs> it's it's used way more in our everyday lives than we know. And uh, so, yeah, a lot of cool things have been done with drones more than people realize. But I mean, yeah, like music videos, commercials, advertisements, anything. A lot of drone shots are being uh, implemented nowadays. Neat. Yeah. Um, so I, I take it the more things change with technology and so forth, obviously drones, I'm sure, have come a long way in just a matter of two years. Um, where do you see drones and drone racing go within like the next five or 10 years? I mean, yeah, I, I believe drones, obviously, like I've said, are the future. Um, drone racing, honestly, I see it being in the Olympics in five to 10 years. I mean, the sport has gotten very big all over the world, not just the US. I mean, it's huge in Europe, huge in Asia, all over the world. It's very big. And uh, I honestly do seeing it be like an Olympic sport one day. And I'd love to see that. Um, because I think it'd be very entertaining for people to watch and a lot of fun for people like me to compete in to, at such a huge level. So uh, I definitely seeing it being, I mean, definitely, like I've said, it's been on uh, NBC Sports. So that's a big step. But, but uh, I'd love to see it in the Olympics. And honestly, I, I believe in the next five to 10 years, it will be in the Olympics. And you think it'll be used even more so when it comes to movies, commercials, things like that? Oh, I, I 100% believe so. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it just gives you a perspective on videography that you'd never get with anything else at like such a high speed and agile uh, movement. And I mean, you can get super close to stuff too that you'd really never be able to do. So I definitely seeing it being implemented into it a lot more music uh videos and like movies stuff like that now do drones come in like different sizes like the planes do uh yeah they do uh so the filming drones that are actually being used in the music videos and the movies and stuff like that are very big because they're made to carry a large expensive camera and uh they actually have they're about um it's called an, it's about a 10 inch drone. So the arm width is uh, like each arm on the drone is about 10 inches and it actually has eight motors. So it has four on top 
and then four on the bottom being able to carry uh, large stuff like that. But uh, the drones that we actually use in uh, drone racing are about half the size of that. And they're designed compl for complete different objectives, obviously. But uh, the drones we use for racing are very small, compact, and uh, only use four motors. But uh, they're a lot lighter and a lot meant to go a lot faster. But uh, they also range from like two inches to three inches. So, yeah, there definitely is a lot of different sizes in drones like there are in airplanes. So for the drone racing, do they have like different categories depending on the size of drone or how do they do that? Uh, yeah, they do. So they actually have a uh, size called X class, which are very, very big and scary drones. Um, they're about six times the size of what we race in normally. So there's a uh, X class where they race in much bigger fields and much bigger gates that they have to go through, which those are very scary and also a lot more dangerous. Uh, but there's also an open class. So that's where, uh, we really can use whatever drone we want. Uh, any, no, I wouldn't say any size it's about a five inch drone, but, uh, any motor, any components, any stuff like that we can use. Um, there's also a spec class to where everybody has to race the same drone. So it's really nobody is at an advantage with drone speed and stuff like that. Um, and it comes down to just raw talent who will win that race. Um, there's a class called micro where it's about two inch drones to three inch drones. And those are usually raced indoors, uh, like in a gymnasium or stuff like that. Uh, those are a lot of fun too, like kind of like abandoned warehouses and stuff like that. Um, and there's also a tiny whip class or class where the drone is probably the size of your hand. And those are raced in like bars and restaurants and stuff like that, like very small places. So yeah, the sizes definitely uh, range from very big to very small in uh, drone racing. So the small ones, you can pretty much race indoors, but the big ones are usually outdoors, correct? Yeah. So the big ones can be raced on like a football field or just a big open pasture. Um, but I've flown the very small ones just in my living room, just like under the couch, under tables and stuff <laughs> like that. So that I bet your parents love you. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Fun fact, uh, now that you say that I've actually flown one into my mom's hair before. <laughs> let's just say that did not turn out very good i take it it got tangled very tangled yep <laughs> had to cut a lot of hair out but in the end it was fine all good fun oh i bet she loved you on that one. Oh yeah <laughs> she got over it she loves me. moms always do oh yeah um so now i know when you're flying the remote control airplanes that there's a license deal where you're supposed to have a license with the AMA or Academy of Model Aeronautics. Yep. Um, what is the standard when it comes to drones? Um, yeah. So everybody that competes in a organized competition has to have what they call uh, an AMA number, uh, Academy of Model Aeronautics number. And um, I guess you could say, I don't know. I guess it's like your social security number for aviation right like drone racing and airplanes everybody has one in order to compete um legally but uh yeah you're required to have one of those and then you also are required to register your drone through the faa 
which if you get caught not doing that, you can get in some big trouble. But yeah, all of my drones are registered through the FAA. Um, so if there's like an FAA inspector at the drone race, you can just come up and see my drones uh, registered to them. But uh, that's actually been a big controversy in the past couple of years with the FAA and kind of the Academy of Modern Aeronautics. So there's been a bunch of rules saying that like we can't fly drones under 400 or above 400 feet, can't fly the airplanes above 400 feet because I mean of like um, full scale airplanes, like we don't want to get in their airspace. Right. But we also need some airspace too. So that has been a big controversy uh, recently. It's not really been ruined by us, but I'd say the average Joe that just takes out his little drone and flies it close to an airport is uh, the reason we have to register everything with the FAA and the uh, Academy of Model Aeronautics. Well, yeah, when people just take it upon themselves to do that. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And that can really affect. I don't know if people really realize the effects it can have on a actual real plane pilot when there's a drone or an RC plane flying in their path. Oh, I mean, I mean, yeah, I've actually done some flight training and uh, flown over my radio control airplane field at a safe altitude. I was about about 1500 feet, which the airplanes never get that high. But I mean, that airplane would definitely take full scale out of the air. It would definitely damage them. And I mean, I think they wouldn't be able to live if it hit them, you know, especially those big um, like quarter scale jets and stuff. Oh, yeah, it, it would be a big a big problem. And I mean, if you have a an airliner with over 200 people on that and then you have some guy that just doesn't know what he's doing, go out there and not do it on purpose, but it can cause some really, really big problems. Do you have to like re-register every so many years or anything like that? Um, I believe it's biannually, but unf- uh, unfortunately, my drones don't last that long. I mean, every <laughs> time I just build a new drone, I'll just, just register it with the FAA. Okay. Do you have, does the FAA require that you have any kind of like flight training on the drone? Um, no. Or do they just say, okay, you've registered it. You're good to go. Yeah, um, I do not believe so. I mean, obviously, I haven't really worried about that. But uh, I'm assuming you have to have some experience. Uh, I was wondering if they, you know, check to see if you have experience or if they just say, hey, here you go. You registered. You're done. You're yeah. good. <laughs> so there is for like uh, legally getting paid. You have to be registered with the FAA, too. You have to get what you're called your part 107. Um, and that has a big test uh, with all the rules and regulations and all that kind of stuff, weight, size limits, all that kinds of good stuff, whether you can fly at night and day. Um, so I believe that kind of stuff where you're doing commercial jobs and actually getting paid and like flying over people, you definitely are required to know some stuff and have some skill because you're required to pass a 60 question test and uh, if it would be very hard to pass if you didn't know anything. But I'd say for the average Joe that just wants to go register his drone and go fly it, I don't think you really have to know that much in order to uh, register with the FAA. What about when it comes to the racing? What kind of requirements do they have? Or can you just register for a competition? Um, so usually, 
are you talking about with the FAA or just like the drone racing organization? Drone racing organization. Yeah. Um, so there's not really any requirements. Uh, there is some invitational contests where it's invite only. Um, but I'd say the average competition, there is no requirements. But in qualifying, you are seated into like a novice a sport and a pro class. So you're going to race against people of your speed either way. Um, but yeah, usually there's no requirements, whether that be if you're old, too young, too old, or just not enough experience. There's usually never a problem with that. Okay. Because I'm sure somebody who doesn't have a whole lot of experience isn't going to register to be in the expert class. Exactly. Yeah. So and usually that's never a problem. Um, I mean, there has been some problems where people bring drones that aren't to uh, spec or regulation. And that, uh, unfortunately, they can't fly. But yeah, usually that's not a big problem. So they have to be basically go through an inspection before flight. Uh, yeah. So we actually have uh, what we call a pre-flight. It's uh, basically if your drone loses connection to the radio, you have to basically make it turn off so it doesn't fly into the crowd and hit somebody. Um, but that's usually about it. And then the, the power wattage our video transmitter puts out uh, has to be regulated too because if you're outputting too much power, you'll like bleed your video feed onto somebody else's channel. And that can cause a lot of problems at a drone race. But uh, yeah, usually that's about it when it comes to like a pre-flight inspection um, through the drone racing organization. Okay. And what kind of costs are involved? Um, I mean, it variates. I'd say for somebody to get into the hobby, with the very basic stuff um, costs maybe around $1,000 for just your average drone your average controller and um, your average uh, goggles. But I mean, it can get very expensive, very fast. I know the drones that I fly um, probably around $350 to $400 a piece. And usually I bring about six or seven to a drone race, maybe even more. Um, each battery is about $50 and I bring about 20 of them to a drone race. <laughs> um, my controller is about $500. My goggles are about $500. And I mean, yeah, it gets very expensive very fast. But where it gets to be really expensive is like the filming stuff. Because I mean, those drones probably cost around $2,000. And then you have a $10,000 camera strapped onto it. So that's when it starts to get very expensive. But like I was saying, it'd be very, very hard to do this without sponsors. So I'm very thankful for them. And how does somebody even get sponsors i mean is it a matter of they just have to see that you can do this you know they show up at competitions and pick people out or i mean yeah that's a big thing obviously it's very hard to get uh sponsored i've actually had a lot of people ask me this question but um i mean just getting recognized at competitions doing well at competitions um posting videos that uh are like kind of good i guess um but I'd say, yeah, there's a lot of people, like a lot of the sponsors will go to the competitions. And usually, I mean, if you win, they're obviously going to want to want you to represent their product. So, I mean, I mean, just over time doing well at competitions and stuff like that, you will accumulate sponsors. But it is very hard to get sponsors. Oh, I bet. 
Um, that's what I was wondering. I, how did they even find you to do it? Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's not easy for sure. And I mean, you can obviously message them. Sometimes that'll work out, but uh, usually sponsorships don't start out to where they just give you free product. I mean, sometimes you'll get like a 30% discount on their product or a 50%. And uh, eventually over time, when you start to get better, start doing better at competitions, you'll eventually get 100% discount. Which, of course, helps. Very much, yes. <laughs> Buy some more of those batteries. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, expensive. Interesting. So it sounds like you really enjoy the drones. More so than the planes, even. Yeah. So uh, I've kind of taken a break from airplanes the past couple of years and uh, put my full focus into drone racing. Um, I mean, it's just something new to put my drive and passion towards and my skill. And uh, I, like I said, I just want to be the best. And uh, I've already accomplished a lot of that in airplanes, fortunately. But um, there's definitely still is a lot to accomplish in drone racing. And I mean... I honestly enjoy it a lot more than I do the airplanes. And I know my dad does not like to hear that because I know he loves the airplanes. <laughs> but um, I mean, yeah, I think definitely over time, I've become more in love with drone racing than the airplanes. But I still do have a big love for airplanes. Well, and you're wanting to actually be a pilot. So I know. Yeah, it's still a part of my everyday life. That's for sure. So when you want to go for your pilot's license, are you looking to just go private or commercial license? Um, so there will be about five different ratings that I get. It'll be uh, private, then my instrument. Right. And then uh, my multi-engine. Mm-hmm. And then I believe it's commercial. And then it's a flight instructor. And then um, air transport pilot. So once you're a commercial pilot is when you can start. Um, one second. Okay. Yeah. Once you're a commercial pilot is when you can start making money as a pilot. Right. Um, Are you transport- looking to go all the way up the line there? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so air transport pilot is when you can actually start transporting passengers. And uh, the air transport pilot is definitely the hardest rating to get requires the most hours and the most knowledge. But I mean, I could just fly for a small company like uh, packages and stuff like that um, just as a commercial pilot. Um, but to be air transport pilot, so I'll be like fly like airliners and private jets and stuff like that. Definitely have to be air transport pilot. But um, I'm actually going to go to the school after high school. It's actually called ATP school. So it's uh, eight months you go from having nothing to being an air transport pilot. And then you're hired through the school to be like an instructor for them until you build up enough hours to get hired by like an airline like American or Delta or a private jet company like NetJets, which is what I'd love to be. I'd love to fly private jets. Like that's my end goal. But um, yeah, I don't plan on going to college. I'd uh, actually plan on going to like an ATP school to get all my uh, flight ratings and then just get hired through the company. Awesome. You plan on doing this, let's say, by the time you're 30? Oh, definitely way before then. Gotcha. um, I'd say I'd start the ATP school when right after I graduate high school. Um, So that'll be about eight months of my life, and then I'll work for them. And then the private jet company I want to work for called NetJets, 
um, starts hiring people at, I believe, 1,000 hours or 1,500 hours, which takes a lot of time in an airplane, and you have to be 23 years of age. So, I mean, that's the end goal. So once I'm 23, hopefully get hired by NetJets and then work my way up from there. Wow. Then we're going to have to check back in with you later. I know, right? On your accomplishments. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you being on tonight. We're almost out of time, Um, but I'm so glad you were here and really opened up the whole drone part that a lot of people don't understand when it comes to the aviation end of things. Um, And I want to just present to the listeners that I am going to be posting a question of the week each week, and you can go to ElsaOutsideTheBox.com to answer it. This week's question that I'm posing is, should we have flying cars? So I'd like to kind of get everybody's input. I did see an article about a month ago that they were actually testing it out. I can't remember which country it was. I think it was Japan that did it. Um, But they were actually testing out the concept. So I'd like to know your thoughts on should we have them? What do you think, Cal? Um, I think that would cause a lot of controversy. Because, I mean, you just have your average doe going up into a flying car. Because, I mean, at that point, it's basically an airplane. Um, I don't know. I do not think it'd be the greatest idea. I believe with, like, um, some, I mean, I pe- believe people could go to, like, a school to learn how to fly the flying cars. But um, I think it would be pretty dangerous to sell the average flying car on the street and then let some random people just take it up. I do not believe that would be a good idea. You think the uh, airwaves will get a little bit too much uh, traffic? I do think so. I Yeah, like I said, it was a problem with the radio control airplanes where we were in their way. I cannot imagine with flying cars that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Drones, flying cars, commercial jets, everything up there all at once. There's going to be more traffic in the air than there is on the ground. You know, we'll have uh, cars crashing to the ground. Don't know how we'll deal with that one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it would be a cool concept. I just cool don't concept. think it's very I safe. I in my own opinion. Agree. But I'd like to get everybody's thoughts on that one. So yeah. sign into the ElsaOutsideTheBox.com and register your vote, and we'll go over the responses next week on this. Um, And if you have any questions that you want to submit for any of our shows, you can also go to ElsaOutsideTheBox.com and submit your questions, comments, anything like that for our shows. Um, And I thank you guys for listening tonight. And I really thank you, Cal, for being on here. Uh, This has really been an informative night on all of this. It was a blast. Um, And happy National Aviation Day. Happy National Aviation Day. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you, everyone. And I hope you have a great evening. It's been so great to have you join us this week. Outside the Box with Elsa is broadcast live every Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk again soon.
Looking to buy or sell your piece of Southwest Florida paradise? Make your choice a logical one with Logical Choice Realty Group. Sell it faster for more money and less stress. They'll get your home sold and closed. Go to LogicalChoiceRealtyGroup.com and start packing today.